And when you think that he's done, he'll do it over and over and over again. And when you feel like all hope is gone, he'll do it over and over and over again, again, again. Amen. He's come today to restore the joy of someone's salvation. Amen. Somebody that came broken and hurting. Amen. Isaiah said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our Lord, to comfort all that mourn. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion. To give unto them beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That they might be called trees of righteousness. The planning of the Lord that he might be glorified. He doesn't just turn it around so you feel good. He turns it around so that you would give Him all the glory and all of the honor and say, God, you're worthy of it. God, I know what it was like to be broken. I know what it was like to be hurting. But then you found me and picked me up out of the miry clay and brought me to this place. God, and that's why I am here today rejoicing Praise God, praise God, praise God. Amen. It feels good in the house of the Lord today. Amen. It feels good in the house of the Lord every day. But especially today because I'm here. Amen. I'm in His presence. I'm in the house of the Lord this morning. Are you here? In more than just body, are you here this morning? Praise God. This morning when you came in at your seat, I believe that you would have found on your seat a piece of cloth has been given to you. If you would grab that cloth that's in your seat at this time. If you can't find one, find one that's around you. Ask your neighbor for one. This cloth that has been given to you today, it has been given in its current state, cut, stripped, tattered, warned, and stained. And it is a reminder to you today of what used to be. It is a scar in material form. If you would, turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37, we're going to begin reading verse 31. Genesis 37 and 31 says, And they took Joseph's coat and killed a kid of the goats, and they dipped the coat in the blood. And they sent the coat of many colors, and they brought it to their father and said, This have we found. Know now whether it be thy son's coat or no. And he knew it. And said, it is my son's coat. 
An evil beast hath devoured him. Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces. Notice, they did not have to say anything to him at all. They didn't have to give a testimony of what happened. All they did was hand the coat over. All they did was plant a seed. And Jacob's mind did the rest. All they did was give some evidence over. And Jacob began to look at it. And his mind and his grief and his worry began to take over. And he said, I know that he's dead. I know that he's been ripped to pieces. And in his grief, the Bible says, Jacob rent his own clothes and put sackcloth upon his loins and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him. But he refused to be comforted. And he said, for I will go down into the grave unto my son mourning. Thus, his father wept for him. Today, for just a little while, I want to talk to you on the subject. If I believed a coat, I can believe a wagon. If I believed a coat, I can believe a wagon. You may be seated this morning. Many of us, we know the story of Joseph. We can quote his famous lines. We talk about the triumphant ending of how the enemy meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. We can rejoice because we have read the story. We have heard the story. And we know that it ends on a positive note. And I would like to say this morning, we should feel the same way about our story. Because if we have read the good book and we have obeyed that word, then we too should rejoice because we know we too are going to have a triumphant ending. This young man, Joseph, no doubt was very special. He was not just the baby of the family. He was the child of the wife that Jacob wanted to start with. You see, today, we don't say that one of our children is our actual favorite because someone is going to have to take care of us when we get old. And we don't know which one it's going to be, so we've got to keep a level playing field. we got to make sure everybody gets it divvied out evenly. But if you knew at the beginning which one was going to take care of you at the end, I have a feeling we would treat that one a little differently throughout their lives. Jacob, he knew a little something about favoritism. Jacob knew what it was like to be a favorite, to be mama's boy. And so in his mind, he did not think anything of playing favoritism. In fact, the very headline of this chapter in my Bible says, Jacob's favorite son. How would that make you feel if you were brother or sister? It was just right there from the get-go. We're not hiding it. We're not brushing it under the rug. It's just, we're going to go ahead, go ahead and say it. This one's my favorite. Now, some of us, we've got brothers and sisters, and we know we're not it. And some of us, we're like, I, I know I am it. But Jacob, he had a favorite son. It is not just assumed, it is fact, for the Bible says in 37 and 3 of Genesis, Now Israel loved Joseph more than all of his children. 
And there was a reason for this love. He said, because he was the son of his old age. And so because he was the most loved, obviously, he gets something special. Because when you are the chosen one, you get a little more grease on your will than the rest of them do. In talks with family, questions arose one time. Dad, why do you always do that for brother? Why do you always do that? Why do you always help him out? Why are you always giving him money? Why are you always buying him things? And the father's response was, well, sometimes the squeaky will has to get the grease. And unfortunately... Sometimes the squeaky wheel is the same squeaky wheel all the time. Whether that's fair or not, that is, unfortunately, how some lives play out. Because when you are that chosen one, you do get special things. Gifts. For an amazing young man, his father gives him a coat of many colors. This coat would have been given to show rank, though he was the youngest. Jacob may have given it to Joseph to identify him as the primary heir. But as you can imagine, as it would be in your home, if you treated one a little differently than the other, jealousy started to arise. Hearts began to grow bitter and hate began to grow. His brothers, they were not blind to what was going on. They started scratching heads wondering why it would not be the oldest Who gets the coat? Why was the strongest not the primary heir? Why was not the one who was the wisest the one going to be plugged into that position? Oh yeah, because he's special. He's good. He's awesome. They were aware that he was the golden boy. When they began to notice this, the jealousy began to destroy them. The hate for their brother grew and it grew and it grew until it reached a breaking point. And it got so bad that his very own brothers, the Bible said, conspired against him and they desired to kill him. If it had not been for Reuben standing up for him, that is exactly what they would have done. But instead, they tossed him into a pit and sold him as a slave. They then take this coat that they ripped off Golden Boy and and they strip it and they rip it and they tear it into pieces and they dip it in, in the blood of an animal and they take this coat that meant something special, this thing that had him marked and they robbed him of it and ripped it to pieces, leaving it tattered and destroyed and close to nothing left of it when they were done. They took something very special and destroyed it. When they got done with it, it was just a reminder of what used to be. It had holes, it had scars, it had tears. It was tattered and torn and broken and stained. They bring only what is left after the carnage of wild beasts indeed. They approach their father handing him the garment. This have we found. Know now whether it be thy son's coat or no. I want you to notice their attitude here. They did not come and say, Father, we were out in the field and we found this coat. Do you know if it's Joseph's? Do you know if it's our brother's coat? They don't come saying, do you know if if, if this is your baby's coat? Do you know if this is that lost one's coat? Is that his or not? No, they say, they come up with attitude and they say, we found this. Is it your son's? Is it your son's? 
Is it that special one? Is this his? And the Bible says that when he looked down, he knew it. Obviously, it was that coat. This coat was not like the rest of their coats. But they were trying to get the point across to Jacob. We know he is your pick. Your son. He's your son. But he knew without a doubt that it was Joseph's coat. For this coat was different. This coat was a gift. This coat was a mark. Jacob looked down at what was left and he knew it. I know this coat anywhere. This was the coat I gave. This was the gift to my son. This was special to us. Oh, how could this happen? It is my son's coat. An evil beast hath devoured him. Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces. I see the tears, I see the mark, and I see the blood. I see the remnant of the garment, and no one could survive such devastation. No one could survive such a terrible outcome than this. And it is in this that we see Jacob start basing everything not on fact, but on fragments. He starts basing his son's life, not based on what he saw with his own two eyes. Not because he was there to see it, but because of what was handed to him as proof. And he's looking at what is left and he's saying there's nothing left. If there's nothing left here, then I know there's nothing left in my son. There's no life. He started relying on the evidence that he had been given, not knowing that somebody had tampered with the evidence. He relies on lies, not knowing for certain. And he begins to fall apart, hopeless and devastated. Not because he was eyewitness. He didn't see what happened. He didn't know the animal that got him. All he knew is what he had. And that was a torn up, bloody coat. Jacob rents his clothes and he puts sackcloth upon his loins and he mourned for his son many days. Joseph, how could this happen? To my favorite son, my baby, how did this happen? Every morning and every night, it's all that he could think about. All that he could see was the proof that he had that his son was dead. That that dreamer was gone. That that life was lost. All he could see was that garment that had been given back to him of hopelessness, of devastation. He had no proof of anything else other than loss. And all of his sons and all of his daughters rose up to comfort him. But he refused to be comforted. He refused to be loved. He refused to let anybody talk to him. And he said, this is the way it's just going to be. I'm going to go down to my grave. This, and I'm going to be mourning and I'm going to be hurting and I'm going to die in this grief. Thus his father wept for him. He said, I'm going to die this way. I'm going to die in my old age. Wondering what could have been because all I have now is brokenness. Why couldn't it have been me? I would have given my life for him. Why did he have to die? He was just a 17 year old boy. You see, many of us right now, we're not down in the dumps because we know the story. We're excited about the ending because we know it. We know what happens in all of the ending. And we're excited because we get to shout and we get to rejoice. 
But to this father, he didn't know the end of the story. To this man in this current state, he didn't know anything other than what he had. He didn't have words of encouragement around him that were realistic because he had evidence. And when the words are coming saying, well, dad, it's going to be all right. It's going to be okay. It's going to, all he has is this. All he has is the current reminder. We have all been given fragments, not only today at our pew, but in life. The truth is we have all had our fair share of bloody coats handed back to us. We have all had coats that were brought to us in moments where we felt good and we felt great and, and we, we sent something out knowing it was going to succeed and it was going to be wonderful. And then somebody comes up to you saying, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And from there on, no word is good enough. Nothing they say goes into your mind because all you do is look at what is there presented to you. You lose faith. You lose heart. You begin to be overcome with grief. We, we, we know the end. We know what we're supposed to be excited about, but this is what I'm looking at. This is my reality right now. Would you let me grieve? Would you let me mourn? Would you let me hurt? No, we're supposed to come to church and we're supposed to rejoice and be happy with the smile on our face. But the truth is there are people that are hurting. They are hurting and they are broken and they have been handed bloody garments saying there's no hope for you. There's no hope for your son. There's no hope for your daughter. This is what I am giving you. No hope. They're lost. They're gone. That dream, that job, that paycheck that you were hoping for. You're not getting a promotion. You're getting a pink slip. That's reality. That's what we wake up and face every day. I know we walk by faith and not by sight, but when sight is seeing evidence of torn up things in our life, this is what we have. This is what I have right now. I can't get excited about this. I can't rejoice about this. This is what I come into the house of God with. And I hold on to it and I cling to it. And I say, I know all things work together. I know what the word says because I have it and I read it. But but this is what I have. This is what I have currently in my possession. I know God says that my babies are going to be back in church. But I see pictures on Facebook that tell me they're not coming back. I know God says he's going to do a work in my marriage. But... My marriage is tearing apart. I know that there are people that are giving me hope and they're saying, God's going to heal you. But every time I go to the doctor, that coat begins to tear again and the stain, that blood begins to pour out again. And that's what I'm handed, that report. I'm sorry. This is all I've got. Is this your sons? Is this your promise? Is this your love? Is this what you're going through and you take it? I know that it is. I know that it is. This was special to me. Oh, this was not just a piece of clothing. This was not just something on the side that he picked up and said, well, here, I'll let you have it. It meant something to him. It was special to him. It was sacred to him. And he said, I know that it is his. I know that it's his because my hands were on it. I picked it out especially for him. This is what I have right now. We have all had dreams die way too young. We have all suffered loss. We have been faced with uncertainty and questions of why. We have had things in our life that meant so much to us only to have it handed to us 
bloody and maimed and destroyed, tattered and torn. Why, God? Why did this happen? We have all had things we thought were special only to show back into our lives as ruin and chaos. We're not talking about Joseph right now. Joseph was wonderful. Joseph had God working on his behalf. Joseph had things that though he had trials and struggles, God was working and moving even while he was in the prison. Even when he was going through adversity, God was working and God was moving. I'm not talking about Joseph today. I'm talking about you, Jacob. I'm talking about you who have sent things out and they've come back to you a mess. You've sent them out in hopes that it would prosper and it has come back torn and ruined. I'm talking to some Jacobs in the house today who have had to look at some things in your life, things that once were whole that are now in many pieces. And to know it, this is the coat. It was more than that random piece of material. It was more than your typical coat. It meant so much more. There was nobody around after giving the coat that said, oh, we're just kidding. There was nobody around with hidden cameras. Nobody around saying, oh, 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 look, we're, we're just pulling your leg here. No, this was the reality. This is what was in that current moment in his life. You have come into this place today mourning over things that are missing, depressed over things that have died, troubled over things that have been torn. No one can lift you up. No word is good enough to encourage you. No one can help you because you have seen the evidence. The evidence says he's dead. The evidence says he's gone. The evidence says it was a beast. And when that is all you have, what more do you expect? Sure, we know in hindsight what happened in Joseph's case. But we're talking to Jacob. I want someone to realize that while you are looking at what is, no, it's not. While you are looking at what is and what has been presented to you, and the proof and the evidence you have says it is, I've come today to say it's not. Because while you don't have... The tangible sun right now. You don't have a perfectly woven coat that has everything still together. Somewhere in a land called Egypt, that dreamer is still alive. Sure, he has struggled along the way. Sure, it has not been ideal for him. Surely he would rather be at home with mommy and daddy. But God was writing a story that's words were not written on that coat. God was orchestrating his own plan. Joseph had his own troubles, but he was alive. He was in prison, but he was alive. Not only was he alive, but he was being elevated to a place of power. God said, I've given you a torn up coat, Jacob, but I wish I could show you the end. I wish I could tell you the ending, but I'm working it for a purpose right now. I know you can't see it because this is all you see, but I am working. I'm working somewhere you can't see. I'm working in a prison. I'm working in Potiphar house. I'm lifting up that son to a place of power. He was being strategically placed by God who had a plan that not only is that thing 
that is missing in your life that you thought was dead alive. But it is being exalted to a place of power and prosperity that right now you don't see. But 13 years later, when you're going through a great famine and you can't find nourishment anywhere, you can't find hope anywhere, you can't find anybody with anything good for you. But then you hear that there is somebody in Egypt, somebody who's given food out to people and selling food, not knowing that it's the one who wore this coat. It's the one that I let go of that I thought was dead. Not only is he alive, but he's helping people. He's serving people. He's doing a work for God right there where he is. We know we walk by faith and not by sight. We know that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. We know that. We can quote it frontwards and backwards and probably different languages. Who knows? But when reality is, there's a maimed coat in my hand. This is what I have. I've seen too much. I've been through too much. My family has endured too much. The proof I have tells me a different story. But the day comes when famine strikes the land. And that dreamer is governor over all of Egypt. And God has placed that thing that was lost up high for all the world to see. And allowed him to have favor in the famine. His brothers would come to him and ask for food. But Benjamin, the new baby, the new golden boy, Joseph's brother, Jacob sent not with his brethren, for he said, lest peradventure mischief befall on him. He said, I can't let this one go too. I know what happens when my babies go out. I know what happens when I send them away. I know what happens. This is what happens. This is what happens when I let them go and think that everything's okay. And so we cling. We hold on. I know what happened last time. I can't afford any more loss. I can't live with any more grief. I still have Joseph code as a reminder of what happened. And I won't let Benjamin out of my sight. So the brothers go on without him. And they said, thy servants are twelve brethren. The sons of one man in the land of Canaan. Behold, the youngest is this day with our father and one is not. But Joseph was doing the math in his head. He said, I know I was 17 when I left and I was baby. And now they're saying one is not with father and and there's another one that's been outed all of a sudden. And I want to see if they're coming up with more lies. I want to see if they're continuing their mean streak. I want to see if they're keeping up with all of this. So they say, what do you want us to do? And he says, I want you to go and fetch him. And I will keep your brother Simeon here until you do. So they go and tell Jacob and his response was, oh, God, I've lost Joseph. And now I've lost Simeon. And now you're asking me to give away Benjamin. How much loss can I take? Why do you keep doing this to me? Why do you keep taking my babies? Why do you keep taking my children and my future away from me? Why do you keep robbing me? I've lost all of these things. Why would you do this? And Reuben stood up and he said unto his father, Slay my two sons if I bring him not to thee. Deliver him into my hand and I will bring him again to thee. 
And Jacob said, My son shall not go down with you, for his brother is dead. And he is left alone, if mischief befall him by the way in which we go. Then shall ye bring down in my gray hairs with sorrow to the grave. If something happens to this one, I I know that I will surely die. I know I'll surely fall apart. After realizing it was the only option this poor man had, he finally watched as Benjamin walked out the door with his brothers. While they are there, Joseph has his servant place a cup in the bag of Benjamin. So when they leave, he told his servant, go to them and tell them whoever has the cup in their bag, we're surely going to put to death. They start opening each sack until they get to Benjamin. And when they open his bag, they realize the cup is there. The Bible says that the brothers begin to tear their clothes because the grief that started with one man is spread. And what hurt daddy started hurting the boys because they saw their daddy weeping every night, holding on to that coat. Oh, not my brother, too. I know the hurt I've seen. I've heard mom cry and praying for her children. I've heard dad praying because their marriage is falling apart. I've heard all of these things and this is all I see. I'm living in this right now and there seems to be no Way out and the brothers say, I I can't let that happen again to my dad. They were so distraught. They could not believe what was happening. And so Judah, his brethren came to Joseph's house for he was yet there. And they fell before him on the ground. And Judah came and said, can I say something to you, sir? You asked us, do you have a father and a brother? We said unto you, we have a father, an old man. And a child of his old age, a little one, and his brother is dead. And he alone is left of his mother and his father loveth him. Even the brothers now are declaring he's dead. Because when you live in a lie long enough, it becomes reality. Even though you know you didn't kill him, you know a beast did not tear him apart. It just becomes what is. It becomes the normal in your life. It becomes what you're used to. Death. Destruction. Torment. It's what we know. It's who we are. I have it. I I know all about it. And thou saidest unto thy servants, bring him down unto me that I may set my eyes upon him. And we said unto our father, the lad cannot leave his father for he should leave his father. His father would die. I can't bear to see my father hurt any longer. Would you let me take Benjamin's place? And you can take my life, but let the boy go. I know what my father's lived through since the coat. And I can't do that to him again. Joseph could not refrain himself any longer. Finally revealing himself as to who he was. And he said, I am Joseph. I am Joseph, the one that you sold into slavery. Is my father still alive? They could not answer him because they were troubled at his presence. Because here, this thing that was once dead is now living and breathing and thriving and being used by God to touch the lives of many, many people. 
and they couldn't believe what they were looking at. Genesis 45 and 4 says, And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near, and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Now, therefore, be not grieved, nor angry with yourselves, that ye sold me hither. Don't be thinking that you did this. Don't get in your head that this was your idea and this was your plan. This is what you've been thinking and you've been holding on to and you've been living with. He said, for God did send me. God did send me before you to preserve life. Not your life, not daddy's life. He said, God hath sent me before you to preserve life because there was famine everywhere. He said, and God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me here. I know what the coat said, but you didn't do this. The beast didn't do this. The chaos in our world didn't do this. The trouble I'm facing right now and the boss that I'm dealing with and the struggles we're facing in my family, it was not things doing this, but it was God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. So know that while daddy has been weeping over a coat, God has been working. I know it looked bad at home, but God was sending me ahead of you to save you. While y'all have been in fear, I have had favor. It was not you that robbed me of my coat. Rather, it was God preparing me a robe. It was not you ripping things away from my life. It was God removing things in my life that didn't need to be there anymore and saying, come on, I'm taking away this coat and I'm giving you something a little bit better. I'm going to give you a robe of royalty. I'm going to give you a garment of praise. I'm going to give you something else that you can take with you. Leave that coat behind. Don't worry about what you've laid down. Don't worry about what you've gotten rid of. I know it meant something to you. I know it was special, but what I'm about to do is going to blow your mind. He said, I want you to go and tell my father that I am Lord of all the land of Egypt and I want him to come and see me. I want him with his own eyes to be able to look upon me and know that I am not dead. Go and tell him to come to Egypt. Tell him I will send food and I will take care of him in this famine. I'm going to take care of you in this season. I'm going to take... I know what you did to me, but God had another plan. And God wants me to help take care of you. God's going to use this not only to affect my life, but to touch others as well. Tell him I'm sending food. So Pharaoh hears about what's going on and he gets excited. Man, we're going to have a family reunion. This is awesome. And he tells Joseph, he said, I want you to tell your 
brothers to go get your father and I will give you the good land of Egypt. I'm not putting you over in a corner. I'm giving you the good land of Egypt. I'm going to give you the very, how did that happen? That happened because God was moving while you were weeping, clinging on to an old dirty coat while you were holding on saying, I can't let this go. When you realize what God can do when you remove that coat out of your life, you want to let go of everything that comes in and say, do it again, God. I let go again, God. Send this one out, God. Let this one do something great. Let this one serve worlds and countries. Let this one go be a missionary. Let this one feed thousands and thousands and thousands. Let it go. We can all stand. He said, I'm going to give you the good land of Egypt and you shall eat the fat of the land. I'm not asking you. I'm telling you it's an order. Take wagons for your little ones and for your wives and bring your father and come. So Joseph gave the wagons and he gave new clothes. He gave new raiments for them to wear. A new reminder of how things are now. And he said, I am going to send silver to Benjamin. Send ten donkeys laden with the good things of Egypt. Ten more laden with corn and bread and meat for his father. And they went up out of Egypt and came unto the land of Canaan unto Jacob their father. If we could throw that scripture up. Verse 25, it says, And they went up out of Egypt and came into the land of Canaan unto Jacob, their father, and told him, saying, Joseph is yet alive, and he is governor over all the land of Egypt. See, right there, we're like, well, that's where he needs to shout. That's where he needs to be getting with it. That's where he needs to cut loose. They come and said, he's alive. This is all I know. I don't believe. This is all I see. For 13 years, I've looked at this knowing what has happened in his heart. Fainted for he believed them not. I know what you're saying. And I want to believe. Preacher, I know what you're telling me. And I want to believe that it's true. But you don't know the coat that I've had to hold on to. You don't know the blood stains I've seen on my baby's robe. You don't know what I've had to look at and endure. I do not know. But if you can believe a coat. If you can believe the evidence that this shows you. The Bible says that he did not believe them. Jacob was not one to believe words. He needed a visible proof. Jacob was the one that wrestled with the angel. And he said, I will not let thee go until he bless me. He liked things he could grasp. Things that he could take hold of. Things that he could wrap his mind around that made sense. So the words were not enough their words were not enough but then next verse they told him all the words of Joseph which he had said unto them and when 
He saw the wagons which Joseph had sent to carry him. The spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. Joseph wasn't walking down the road and he saw Joseph. He saw wagons and wagons and donkeys and more wagons and more provision and more promise and more and more. They kept coming over the hill. And don't you know that that old man was looking there in his feeble old age, knowing all he had faced, the holes that he had looked through. And all of a sudden through one of those holes, Over a hill, he saw that first wagon and thought, oh, can it be? Oh, can it be? Don't you know that that man, not only was he convinced when he did not believe the word, but he believed the wagons. We have some doubters in this place this morning that you are not a doubter. They have just been given false evidence. And your word isn't going to change their perception. My word isn't going to change your perception. There's no word a preacher can tell you right now that would get you out of the place that you're in. There's no word a counselor could tell you that's going to stir you enough to get you to come to this place. What's going to happen though is God is going to begin to show you some things. God is sending wagons your way. God is sending provision your way. And while you're sitting there doubting, while you're sitting there questioning, it's going to reveal itself to you. You're going to start to see it unfold. And you're saying, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. There are people, they need proof. They need something tangible. They need to be as Thomas and say, I need to put my hands on it. I need to know because what I saw was dead. What I saw was defeat. What I saw was proof. But their words were not what revived him. It was the proof of their word that revived him. If I can believe a coat, I can believe a wagon. He said, it is enough. He said, it is enough. Joseph, my son, is yet alive. You can believe it or not. You can believe it's over or you can believe it's just beginning. You can believe it's dead or you can believe it's alive. Not only is it alive, but it is working for your future deliverance, for your future provision, for your future healing, for your future breakthrough, for your future. I know you don't see it now because all you have is a coat, but the wagons are on the way. You can believe the coat that says you are in famine, or you can believe the wagon that shows you favor. You can believe the coat that says your baby's gone, or you can believe the wagon that says your baby is governor. That wagon, it's enough evidence for me to believe that my son, who I thought was dead, is alive. Don't you know, as that old feeble man saw, 
all those wagons. He was sitting there clinging. I don't believe you. I don't believe you. Don't tease me like that. Don't show me those things. It's not funny. But oh, when he saw the wagons coming over the hill, the joy that must have flooded his soul, the tears that must have swelled in his eyes, I imagine he probably began to leap as well as he could leap in his old age. I began, he began to rejoice as much as he could in his old age. Jacob, let go of the coat now. You can lay down that worry and that addiction. Get rid of it. Who needs rags when you can have riches? Come on, Jacob. Bring up that torn up dream. Lay it down today. Would you again take those garments, what you have left on your seat? Only you know what this represents in your life today. You know what has been handed back to you in torment and trouble and trial and tribulation. The pieces that just fall and crumble. Some of you may only have a string left on your pew today. Because it's been through a lot. It's been cut and it's been torn. But I open these altars today and I want you to bring this garment. I want you to bring what you have left. Whether it's a little or a lot. And I want you to bring it up here today. And I want you to lay it down at the altar. Not with your head hung low. Because you've been given a sign of hopelessness. But I want you to see the wagons today. See the provision today. See the truth today. Bring that tattered thing that you have held on to this morning. Lay it down at an altar and thank God that things are not what they appear. I'm not saying we won't have hardships and trouble. But what I am saying is God is doing a work in another place for another season. He's not taken by surprise. He's going to wait until the time is right. Just when you need it. Just when you thought it was over. Just when you're in the famine. God brings it back to you. God, I don't want it. It's had too much control over my thoughts. This garment has had too much control over my life. God, I lay it down today. God, no one can encourage me. No one can make me feel better. I need provision. I need out of this famine or I'm going to perish. We'll always.